Welcome to episode eight of my new podcast, Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? With my guests, we are discussing health issues, questions you may have about your health, and debunking some of the many myths around our health. And it's a real pleasure today to talk to one of my heroes, Dr. Heather Massey, a dip into nature, swimming outdoors. Heather is a senior lecturer with the School of Sport, Health and Exercise Science. She has been a member of the Extreme Environments Laboratory since 2007, where she completed a PhD in the area of environmental cross-adaptation in humans. Prior to that, she worked at the Institute of Naval Medicine within the Environmental Medicine Unit for six years. So welcome, Heather. Thank you. (laughs) I'm not sure about being called a hero, though. Oh, you are. You are definitely. Now, I'm going to explain why. So um, I think probably my listeners know that I'm an avid cold water swimmer. But before I started, I did a lot of reading and listening to webinars and podcasts about the topic because I know it's dangerous and I wanted to really be prepared. And also, I was one of the stupid people that started in December when the water is incredibly cold. And when I was doing all my searches, what did I come up with? I came up with Heather's webinars and I listened to many of them. And you gave such brilliant advice. And a few years ago, we did a webinar about cold water swimming together for International Women's Day. And you can hear that podcast on my YouTube channel. So, Heather, I wanted to hear about your journey with cold water swimming and how it all started for you. Um, Well, really, I have my dad to thank for my uh my journey into cold water swimming. He was an avid dinghy sailor when my myself and my brother were much younger. And to be honest, we enjoyed being in the water more than we enjoyed being on the boat. He only had a little laser boat and it was a bit cramped when there's three of us in the boat. So my brother and I preferred diving off into the into the water and, and just enjoying the, the summer water temperatures there. And and from there, I've just really carried it on, having a bit of a misspent youth in and around water. Um, obviously, as a teenager, you get a bit more sensitive about your body image. And um, it kind of swimming took a bit of a backseat for me, whereas sort of team sports became a bit more uh, popular. And then um, towards the, the time where I was becoming older, more injured, I was spending a m- much more time in the water again, rehabbing and just thought, well, well, yeah, well, why not get back into swimming uh, rather than spending all the time on the on the bench injured? Um, I could be back swimming and enjoying it again. So, yeah, um, my dad ultimately and, and then moving on into to different sports and then um, uh, re-engaging with the love of swimming as, a, as an older, uh, as an adult. What, what, sort, what were the main sports that you did when you were younger that you don't do now? Oh, gosh, I used to play hockey, rugby, football, anything that was in a team, I used to play. Um, I kind of fell out of love a little bit with swimming when I was younger because I was I was very team orientated and swimming can be quite an individual activity or was then. Um, and I just didn't really enjoyed the, the, the team ethos. So anything that involved getting... Uh, muddy, dirty. I was a real tomboy as a as a teenager, so I just really thoroughly enjoyed nothing more than just coming home clopped in mud. 
I was the same. I was an avid hockey player, and I remember the old boots we used to have. I, I don't. I, I, you're younger than me, so we used to have these cloth boots that used to just get really smelly and muddy and dirty. And and I love I love the team sports, and I love that so many women now are revisiting team sports later in life, and men. So we've got walking football. We've got lots of adult netball teams, and and I I think that team sports is great. That's why I wanted to ask you. A little bit more. I think it's good to revisit that maybe as we get older. And- um, absolutely, and I and I've thoroughly enjoyed. I, I mean, I've got uh, friends now that play walking netball, walking football, and they're thoroughly enjoying it. So um, yeah, I wholly advocate just being active. Just be, you know, just because you're slightly older, maybe just not being in the same sort of teams that you used to be, but you can still you've still got the skills that you had maybe not necessarily the pace. So yeah, keep going with whatever exercise and activity really interests you. And even if you weren't a really competitive person at school, lots of people said they didn't do sports when they were younger because they were so competitive. But I think these adult teams, it's all just about having a great time, getting off the sofa, getting out with with friends and a community and and that team spirit. I think it's a win-win. So yeah, that's our first message to everyone. You know, have a look at have a look at some of the adult team sports that are going on in your area. Now, I love. Oh, the name- absolutely! I couldn't Sorry. agree more. Sorry, I, I love the name of your lab, Extreme Environments Laboratory, and you do research into human exposure to heat, cold, and altitude, and how we prepare and mitigate the effects of these environments. And how do you feel these environments may have a benefit to health and well-being? Well, like with exercise, we when we exercise, we are putting ourselves and our physiology a little bit out of its comfort zone, and we adapt as a consequence of that. So we become fitter, healthier. We become more um, um, able to adapt to different circumstances because we're doing those exercises. It's also the same with extreme environments. By putting ourselves in a hot environment, a cold environment, um, a low oxygen altitude environment, our body has to adapt a little bit in order to um, to function optimally in that environment. And so it's really about uh, making sure our body is as, as adaptable as it possibly can be, whether that stimulus is through exercise or through uh, exposure to different environments, the heat, the cold, altitude. So that's what we're all about. Yeah, and it is quite amazing. So I've done sports my whole life and um, I think we, we get older at the same time as doing more sports. So we never seem to get better. <laughs> we, if anything, we get slower <laughs> um, and don't can't jump around quite so much. But with the cold water swimming, what made me feel incredibly accomplished was realizing how my body was adapting and each year I've done it, I'm I'm wearing less and less. Um, I'm still wearing at the moment in winter. I'm still wearing gloves and socks, but I only put them on in December, and I'm going to take them off very soon. The year before, I was wearing a rash top as well. So that adaptation that my body over several years has done, and now being able to swim in a, a frozen lake, um, and you know the, the increasing the amount of time that you can stay in, I think. To, that to, to be able to achieve that when you're older and see that your body has become stronger and has adapted 
that is, is one of the many, many things I like about cold water swimming. Yeah, and that's a, a story we hear um, from lots of different people that they, uh, you very rightly, uh, uh, you know, are taking it easy. It's not, you're not pushing it too much. Um, you said you've gradually reduced the amount of clothing that you're wearing. I would still stick to wearing the boots and socks. They're going to keep your fingers uh, in good nick for much longer and prevent any possibility of non-freezing cold injuries as well. Um, but it, it's not something that we need to rush into doing. Um, you don't need to, you know, go from being a pool swimmer to swimming ice miles in the period of two to three weeks or a month or a year. These are something that is built up really gradually. And so for any new person wanting to, 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 to come and join the outdoor swimming community, really recommend we start in the summer um, when the water's warmest and then gradually just see how you fare. It's one of those things. It's very individual. It's a very acquired taste. And some people like to have a break over over the cooler months uh, and then re-engage with the activity in, in the uh, spring, summer. Other people are looking to, to, to go all the, all the year through. But it's really an activity that we want um, people want to enjoy. It's, it's something that um, we, we don't want to push people into doing. Um, different people are different shapes and sizes. They, they have slightly different responses to going into the cold. Um, how much their cold shock response affects them, how quickly they cool. So it's really important that people are aware that one person's response is not necessarily another's. So, yeah, we shouldn't use one person's example of, of swimming ridiculously long times in very cold water and expect everybody to be doing that. So um, my son, who's very lean, um, wanted to come with me last week. So I, I did take him and... Um, he, he he lasted for less than a minute. He's he's just got no fat on him, which really um, doesn't help. And but he he saw me then go and swim for about fifteen minutes, and it really did motivate him. But I think it's so important what you've said. This is very individual, and lots of people who hear me talk, I normally whenever I give a talk mention that I'm a cold water swimmer, and so many, especially women, really want to. Join and, and whenever we're swimming in a river, we see women walking along and we see their faces and they're looking at us and they normally are asking, oh, you know, is it cold and what do I need to do? And I think it is something that really attracts women for, for various reasons. But as you said, it's individual. We need to swim our own swim. I'm, I'm sometimes I'm the first one to get out. We've got people that are very strong swimmers. I'm not a really strong swimmer. Uh, they'll swim much further than me. And in our groups that we go with there may be people in wetsuits there may be people without socks and gloves and everything goes and I really don't feel that the community judges anybody um, hopefully no one you swim with would judge you and, and we need to all do what's right for us and you've already given some really good um, safety advice is there is there anything else you'd recommend for anyone who's thinking of starting this um, yeah, Joyce, in terms of people that want to start open water swimming, I think some of the best advice I can give is make sure that you are well fit and healthy. So um, if you've had any sort of um, uh, problems, definitely worth contacting your GP just to check that you're OK. Cold water swimming is an extreme activity like uh, jumping out of a plane or rock climbing. We are at the mercy of physics and our physiology. So uh, that it, 
it's massively um, stimulating activity, but it, it can be quite dangerous. So what we need to do is ensure that we are as fit and as healthy as we can be. Join a group of, of people that are regular swimmers that have a good experience or join a, a coached group um, because the coach will be able to uh, provide information about the local environment um, that you're going into, the, the, the local risks, and also give you more information about what's going to happen to you when you go into the cold water. So do your homework, check that you're okay, and also uh, find a group to go swimming with. That's that's brilliant advice. And people ask me why why am I doing it? Why would you, why would I go and get in an ice lake uh, in the midst of winter? Um, I know why I do it, but you've done research on this. So, what do you feel are the health benefits of cold water swimming? Well, at the moment, we what we've we've done uh, quite a bit of research uh, that has looked at people's perceptions of health. And what they uh, um, um, the reasons why they uh, go swimming, and lots of the reasons that people start swimming are not necessarily related to the health, although that's becoming more apparent now. But when we undertook the research, many more people were interested in maybe training for a triathlon or a small swim, um, and wanted to, to take part and, and try and, and achieve their goal. But we're finding that it had um, a, a sort of a, the side effect of they felt better, they they had lighter mood, they, they felt that um, they were uh, using it to recover from an injury, for instance, uh, and that, that actually they just carried on uh, swimming because they enjoyed it. So it became an activity that uh, it had uh, one purpose, but sort of morphed into having more than one purpose. So lots of people... Um, are making um, the, there's lots of qualitative evidence around uh, people's improved mood. Um, possibly some people have suggested that any symptoms of pain they had or migraine may be reduced, although migraine, the evidence is really sort of uh, hit and miss. Um, and other people are suggesting that there may be uh, reductions in symptoms of menopause. And so there's, there's lots of um, uh, sort of blogs and anecdotal evidence and qualitative evidence out there. What we now need to do is start to solidify that in, in terms of the uh, more robust research studies in order to, to find out, well, is it just one person that benefits or are there more people? And how do they benefit? What What's causing this cold water immersion, cold water swimming, to allow these people to uh, have... Uh, or, to uh, improve symptoms that people have had for sometimes for quite a long time. I I definitely feel again anecdotally, but you know the smiles and the laughter when people are swimming. Um, you you and and I I again totally anecdotal, but the smiles when they're in a frozen uh, or colder water uh, definitely seem bigger to me. Um, and I for for me, I started before lockdown, um, but. Lockdown was a time when we couldn't do lots of different sports, but we could go to a river or lake, ideally with one other person at one time when we only could be with two people and exercise and be out in nature um, and have that friendship as well of someone who is also swimming. Um, is there any evidence about the release of endorphins? We, we always say, oh, it's making us smile, making us so happy. We're releasing lots of endorphins. Is there actually evidence for that? That's a good question. And I think um, 
the, the evidence is really sort of more theoretical. Um, we know that activities like exercise, like going into cold water, do release those endorphins, but we we haven't tested it in the, these populations. So we're, we're sort of we're applying previous work to this situation rather than actually having solid tests that have actually studied this. Amazing. It, and this is a theme that's come up in a lot of the podcasts that I've been doing, is that we haven't done enough research, especially around women's health. Um, and yeah, we have a lot more studies to do for sure. And, and I'm really privileged. We are working, you and I are working in a research group looking at cold water swimming and reproductive health. And it's an absolute privilege to be with this group of researchers who are discussing this on a regular basis. And so last year, um, you and I ran and, and some others ran a survey to ask women if they felt cold water swimming helped their menstrual and menopause symptoms. And we are writing up this data now. And, and we found that they, they do feel that it helped their symptoms. What, what advice would you give women experiencing menstrual and menopause symptoms? Is this something that you would recommend to them to try? Well, there's lots of things people uh, experiencing um, symptoms of, of menopause and uh, menstrual symptoms can try. Um, exercise is definitely one of them. It might seem a bit counterintuitive if you're in quite a lot of pain or, or something like that, that, that actually going and doing exercise might relieve that pain. But certainly uh, outdoor swimming is one form of exercise that can be done. We can't, we, we're not going to suggest that um it, it's it's suitable for everyone, and obviously some people will have access, uh, you know, can't access locations to go swimming. But certainly, exercise in in most forms will will help uh, reduce uh, symptoms of uh, menstrual uh, problems and also some menopause symptoms as well. For for me, I um I wasn't cold water swimming when I went through the menopause. But I always tell everyone I exercise through the menopause. I, I always exercised a lot anyway, but I really upped my exercise. I started running. I hadn't really run before um, and and just tried to do more. Um, so things like hot flushes, I was sweating all the time anyway. So, so a hot flush didn't really make much difference. Um, but I know that some people feel that they're, they're too uncomfortable to exercise. But, you know, a, a brisk walk, getting outside, I, th I think can really help. And, and our group's looking at pregnancy and cold water swimming. And it's something that is discussed a lot when women have been cold water swimming anyway, and then they get pregnant. We, we um, we wanted to see if there were any research or any advice that we could, you know, solid advice that we could give them about the safety or not of cold water swimming during pregnancy. And what would you say about that, about what we've found so far? Well, I think uh, from the, the work that we've done, so the, the initial work we've done, there are a lot of questions from uh, pregnant women about um, the safety of, of swimming in cold water, are they harming themselves and also their, their, their baby as well? And the, the advice they get from medical professionals um, is, is very generic. Um, there's, there's no real evidence or, or information out there for people that are currently cold water swimming that then become pregnant. And lots of and where there's a sort of a vacuum of information, many medics will just turn around and say, well, we don't have the information and therefore you shouldn't do it. Uh, but lots of people are starting to, you know, um, 
maybe ignore that information that they get from the medics. And we just want to be able to provide some um, some fact-based information uh, to people that are pregnant and wanting to carry on out their open water swimming to keep themselves and their baby safe. So it's really about trying to provide information, not only for pregnant women, but also for, for medical professionals that deal with pregnant women as well. So that's what we're really hoping to achieve uh, from the work that we're doing. One of the risks when when pregnant, and even when not pregnant, is the pollution issue, which we just, it seems that we're talking about it all the time. We're talking about the raw sewage going in our rivers and seas. We're talking about pollution from the land during uh, rainy weather. Um, but but I just, I, I, we talk about it, and Scotland seem, seems to have sorted it out. But in England, I can't really see anything happening. I keep getting optimistic and then keep, hearing more reports and and feeling down about it. How do you feel about the pollution issue? Um, Well, I live on the south coast uh, uh, in a region uh, supplied by uh, southern water, which has regularly been in the press. And um, it's a constant thorn in our sides. Uh, Whenever there's heavy rain, as there has been for the last week, um, we can't swim and we swim in coastal locations. and so, yeah, I, I, I really uh, despair about the state of our uh, and the water quality that we're swimming in, and um, it, it's it's a really we have some amazing access to uh, to local waterways, but they're so heavily polluted, um, and I just don't think it's right for us as humans to be um, to be in there. Never mind the wildlife, the flora and fauna that that may be affected by it as well. So I think something that outdoor swimming has really given me is not only a love for swimming and being in the water, but more respect for nature and uh, allowing nature to flourish. And I feel that's something we are doing is impacting our natural environment. And that's something uh, quite a lot of open water swimmers share is that their greater appreciation of what's around them. I, I totally agree. I, um, all my exercise up until cold water swimming had mainly been done indoors or, or, or a jog around the village. Um, but with the cold water swimming, just being so much more aware of our environment. And, and I totally agree. I definitely have switched on over the recent years and become much more aware. So that's a, a really positive thing that the cold water swimmers are trying to make a stand against ruining our planet, which is, is, is just crazy. One way to, to dip and get over that problem would be to have a lots of people are having a, an ice bath now in their garden my son has just asked me to buy one I I don't think I'm going to sit in it because a cold shower or sitting in a in my garden in something cold is not really on my list of uh, what makes me happy but being out by a river or a lake or the sea with some friends and you know jumping around and smiling and laughing is on my list. So how, how do you think, what, what do you think about these um, ice baths in the water, in the garden or uh, cold water showers? Is, is that a benefit or, uh, or is it just a fad? Um, okay. So I'll, I'll deal with cold water showers to start with. Um, most cold water showers are uh, from uh, tap, tap water fed. So the water temperatures um don't get as cold as these new ice baths, these home ice baths can get. And so uh, you're also covering less of the body with with cold showers as well. Um, so I have, I'm, 
people some people don't have access to uh, cold water in any other form. So uh, for them, they get some um, they get some uh, access to cold water through that cold water shower, um, and they, they, many people uh, purport benefits to that uh, to that effect. Now, the the I have a, a slight issue with the the cold, but these these new ice baths that people are having at home. Um, and one of the main problems that is really uh, misunderstood and little understood is the problem of non-freezing cold injuries. And um, these are this is something that's been traditionally studied in military environments um, where people are exposed to extremely, uh, extremely cold environments um, and they develop uh, problems with their extremities, so their fingers and toes in particular, uh, and other extremities may uh, may be affected. And it can cause severe pain, uh, and it can be really debilitating uh, to experience these symptoms. We don't know enough about it. Um, it's poorly diagnosed, um, and we don't know what dose of cold is required. Uh, but we do know that people have had non-freezing cold injuries from being immersed in 15 degree water. So being constantly or, or very frequently uh, immersed in much colder water, so some of these ice baths will go as cold as three degrees regularly, then we don't know uh, if people are going to be setting themselves up for uh, coming up with these non-freezing cold injuries. So it's really important that uh, people are aware that uh, you know, if they if they are going to use these ice baths, which I would maybe better not to, that they're wearing at least neoprene gloves, neoprene socks, just to protect their extremities uh, when they are immersing themselves. But I find, as you've said, I think I find slightly warmer water than that. So um, uh, normal seawater temperatures, river waters, uh, you know, lakes, etc. Uh, more welcoming because of that natural environment, because of the camaraderie you have from a community as well. It's also safer. You're with other people. Um, ice bathing at home. If you have a problem, you've no one to to contact. So, yeah, there's there's a number of issues I have with the use of home ice baths. Thank you for that. Um, I, I I when we're swimming in the river, we don't we're not still. <clears throat> you know, we're swimming. Um, and, and when we are staying still, that's when we, we get really cold and it's not a nice feeling so that, you know, we are moving our bodies. But, um, you know, you've just alerted me to the fact that if you're sitting, you're just sitting in this, they're quite narrow anyway, you're just sitting in these ice baths in the garden. Um, my, my son does a lot of football and the um, cold therapy to, you know, help the muscles after a, a football match is something that lots of I know lots of footballers do do that. So would your advice be if you did go in, don't sit in it for ten minutes. Um, just do a dip, uh, short treatment for helping your muscles, um, and then and then get out. Um, in in terms of the sort of using it as a recovery, I don't think it needs to be as cold as some of these ice baths will go. Normal cold water temperatures. So sitting in a, a bath of cold water from the tap would be absolutely fine. And there's research that's looked at the bath water temperatures of uh, of using uh, normal cold water from the, the tap. Um, I don't necessarily think you need to go to the extremes of, of five and three degrees in order to, to look at the potential benefits of, from recovery uh, from exercise. So the sort of delayed onset muscle soreness, which people are trying to 
promote more rapid recovery uh, by using ice baths. So I I don't think they need to be ice cold. Uh, and certainly they don't need to be in there for extended periods of time. Uh, a couple of minutes really should all be all that be required. That's that's really good advice. He lasted about 40 seconds in the lake <laughs> last week. <coughs> but um, Absolutely he- no problem. I've got no problem with that. He recognised it wasn't a comfortable environment for him to be in. So he did exactly the right thing. And there's absolutely no shame in that at all. Uh, and in fact, it's something I would uh, promote. Yeah, absolutely. I was the same. I said, you don't need to be in long. You've you've got any benefits, out you come. So now let's talk about some of your challenges. You've done some amazing challenges. And I look at this list and I am definitely envious. So um, you've done a solo crossing of the English Channel. Um, and one of my, my first guests, Jessica Hepburn, who is not a swimmer at all, um, but she also... Um, did the the channel crossing and she was trying to recover from years of fertility treatment and um, being childless. And she was the one actually that motivated me to start cold water swimming. Um, But you've also done lots of other swim challenges, relay swims around Jersey and Jersey to France around the Isle of Wight, as well as representing GB in the world ice swimming championship 1k event in 2017 so tell us more about all of those what what was it like swimming the channel what was the ice swimming championship uh, like tell us more um well having met Jessica she's definitely a swimmer (laughs) anybody is a swimmer that's absolutely uh if she says she's not a swimmer then that's not true she's uh, a lovely lady uh, a great person and a great swimmer so uh yeah um I think I'm an accidental channel swimmer because I didn't set out to swim the channel. Uh, one of my friends that I swim with regularly booked the channel swim for me. Um, we'd done a number of relays together and um, she had an attempt at swimming the channel, which um, yeah, uh, which I helped to sort of train for. And um, she booked it for me and then said, well, you need to go and pay for it and do it. Um, so... She's a PTI, by the way, an ex um, uh, REF PTI, so you don't say no. Um, so, yeah, she helped me train for it. Um, we'd obviously done a lot of relays and stuff in the past, so I kind of just went and did it. And I just spoke to lots of people who had swum the channel, got lots of information from them, because there's no manual on how to swim the channel. Um, so you just have to go and find lots of experts, or people with experience to find out a lot about it. And uh, that's what I did and then just plodded away over a couple of years and uh, finally went for it. And um, we got down to Dover. Obviously, I live in Portsmouth, so not far away from Dover. And um, we got down to Dover. It was a really windy night. It was about three o'clock in the morning and we were due to set off at five. So um, I'll be very calm here and say I was uh, somewhat nervous about uh, getting into the water at that point. Um, we got onto the boat and it was sort of doing all sorts of strange moves in the in the tide and the wind. And we got out to where the we were going to uh, dump me on the beach at Sunfire Ho. And the pilot said, no, we can't go. The, the weather's uh, deteriorating further. And at that point, I was really relieved. <laughs> so we went home and sat in home for two weeks while I bounced off the walls. And then um, we, uh, we, we got the call again and we went down. Uh, repeated exactly the same process 
but this time thankfully the weather was calming down rather than building so um yeah it took me slightly longer than i'd have hoped but um i don't actually remember much of the swim it just sort of the 16 hours in the water sort of collapsed into possibly two or three memories that i have i got stung by a couple of jellyfish and i um uh, I hit something quite hard in the water uh, on my wrist and so had a, quite a swollen hand for about two or three weeks after. Uh, but yeah, um, I landed on Cap Greene, which is quite a cliffy, rocky area. Um, there were lots of seals around at the time. And so I literally had to climb up onto the rocks, wave at everybody and then climb into the boat that was the little uh, tender boat that had, had uh, taken me right into the shore. So yeah, it was... Um, I was there hoping I'd land on Wissant Beach and there'd be lots of people to wave me in and and I get, you know, the champagne you get. No, none of that. It was a dull, misty day, landed on some rocks. No one else was around except for lots of seals, which they're huge, by the way. Um, so, yeah, very different from my sort of, uh, uh, so the, all my imagery that I'd had in my head about it. Uh, but, yeah, it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience, both the training and also doing it what I can remember um and yeah I think I've always had sort of the imposter written across my head and I still have with lots of things that I do uh, but that really made me realize that I can achieve and hopefully people with ambitions should go for it and it's all about attempting stuff whether you get there doesn't matter it's all about the attempt that matters um and that 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 really highlighted to me that, you know, if something doesn't come off, it doesn't matter. The fact that you've given it a go is what really is important. Thank you. That, that, that was amazing. It's an amazing story and, and it will be very motivating to lots of people. And, and the ice, the ice swimming, um, did you swim 1K in a, where was it? And, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. So I, um, I, um, got selected to uh, it was only the second time that they'd run an ice swimming championships a world ice swimming championships but I got selected to swim for GB I'm not a quick swimmer by the way I just at that point I was quite large and could withstand being in cold water for quite long periods of time I'd, I'd trained myself with help from a couple of medics to do so um I got selected in my age group to go and swim in the world championships and that was on the Australian German border uh, in a very ideal idyllic place and they'd created uh, they have an outdoor swimming pool there which is 25 meters uh, length and they they basically they keep it from freezing over by continually stirring the water and uh, yeah there was about six or seven of us that went we uh, swam a 1k in the water it's the coldest swim I've ever done. Um, yeah, and I did actually quite well. I think I came fourth in my age group, which, the, you know, the, the World Championship was doing, you know, uh, 10, uh, was doing something like five minutes quicker than me. But that didn't matter. The fact that I got in and did it uh, was quite an achievement. It's really important when we're doing those sorts of events that people recognise, yes, they're, they're very cold and it is possibly a very stupid thing to do. We had a huge amount of medical support, rescue support around us. So we had people in big dry robes, uh, sorry, uh, big um, uh, dry suits that had 
uh, ropes around their waist so that if we got into difficulty in the water, they got in, literally grabbed hold of us, and they were dragged out with the swimmer being held onto. We had medics, we had ambulances there, we had absolutely the work. So this is a very, very well-controlled environment in which to do something very extreme. Um, and so this is why I sort of hesitate to say too much about it, because, yes, it was, it is an extreme activity, but we were very, very well supported. And this is what I want to try and get across with some of the, yes, I have been in very cold water, but with a huge amount of support to do so. That That's really important to know. I, I, I um, I'm trying to think about joining a relay team for the channel, but I, I don't know. When I started thinking about it, I was like Jessica. Jessica wanted to do it breaststroke, <laughs> but I've I've got better with my front call. But um, after September, I just couldn't put my head in the in the. I only swim front call in the lake, and I just couldn't put my head in. It was like a frozen putting my head in a freezer and ramming the door. It was just such pain. So I stopped immediately. And we're we're in March now, and I I haven't put it in yet, but I'm put my head back in the water, but I think, I think I'll try for April. So yeah, really good advice. Do not try these things at home for sure. It's such a lot of training and having all that support there is, is really important. And, and you are trustee of Swim the Right and you sit on the medical board of the Ectodermal Dysplasia Society. Can you tell us a bit more about these? Yeah, so Swim the Swim the White is an Isle of Wight organisation that, um, that, that, provides um, outdoor swimming for uh, local people on the island uh, and also works with uh, people with mobility issues uh, to help them get into the water as well. So um, I kind of, I just got involved because I know quite a lot of people locally and they, they, uh, they, they were just keen to have me involved. So uh, in whatever capacity I could be. So that's sort of the swim the white sort of connection. And um, the ectodermal dysplasia society is um, a patient group for people living with ectodermal dysplasia, which is um, a rare genetic disorder, which uh, means that people have altered um, uh, sort of appearance in terms of few teeth, uh, limited amount of hair, but also they have other hidden problems, like they're not able to uh, sweat because they have few or functioning sweat glands. And... um, I got involved because of the work we do in the extreme environments uh, um, lab here at Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth Uni. And um, we do a lot of work in the heat. And I'm just sort of passionate about trying to help people. And I see that we can do some uh, help here. We can uh, we can teach people about how to stay cooler um, and and how uh, to uh, and when to do exercise. So there's there's lots of sort of practical support that we can provide people. We can't change their genes, but what we can do is help them with their activities of daily living and make that more appropriate. So whether that means getting involved with schools to make them more aware, don't get them to do PE in the middle of the day, try and get them to do it first thing in the morning. Do they need to wear a blazer in the middle of summer? Those sorts of things. It's it's really important that we can make a real difference by just some really practical things. And that has, um, that's been sort of a, a, lo- a slow burner for quite a few years. That's fantastic. And have you heard people say the title of my podcast? Why didn't anyone tell me this? And if so, what did they ask? Um. 
lots of people sort of uh, ask me particularly about cold water swimming um and um the the things that they they want to know about are, are really about the non-freezing cold injuries that people are, are starting to to tell me about and also um things tips about cold water swimming as well so one of the main things well there's several main things that I try and get across is that um know how you're going to get out before you get in it sounds daft but especially if you've got an environment where it can be challenging to get out of the water once you've got in the water and you're cooling you're going to cool those muscles around the body and it can be very and it saps your strength as a consequence so it can be a lot more challenging to get out um, of the water once you've got in the second thing that people don't realize is that when you've been in long in cold water for a long period of time you cool the deep body and once you get out the, the water, that's not the end of your cooling journey. You're going to carry on cooling for possibly 20 or 30 minutes longer, um, and you'll be much colder than when you first got out of the water. So it's really important that you dry and dress really quickly to try to minimise that continued cooling. We also suggest that um, people don't uh, drive straight away as soon as they've got out of the water, that they wait for those 20 to 30 minutes just to check that their, their cognitive function is going to be good enough for them to drive. As what we don't want is to see accidents or um, uh, car accidents occurring because of the fact that uh, people uh, may have become slightly slower in their responses because they've been in the cold water and carried on cooling. Yeah, that's that's such great advice. the The only time I've had a really bad um, effect, it was much later. It was one full moon. I hadn't eaten. Um, I, it, was, it was February. I'd stayed in too long. Got carried away with looking at the moon, and was absolutely fine um, till I got home, and then got really, really cold. So those those tips are really, really important for people. And what motivates you? What motivates me um, uh, now, what motivates me is uh, seeing people enjoying themselves, doing things safely and uh, seeing people who have found benefit, whether that is from exercise, whether that's from outdoor swimming, whatever it is they're doing, just seeing people uh, improve themselves because of the activities that they're doing. Fantastic. And, and what makes you happy and where is your happy place? I think it might have something to do with the water. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, what makes me feel happy? Uh, floating. Actually, floating in water makes me happy. So at the end of every swim, I will just go and float. That, that's amazing. I, I, everyone said something that I didn't expect them to say, so it's really, really great. And what advice would you give your younger self about life, health, everything? Oh, stick with swimming. Don't don't go into the team sports. Stick with swimming. <laughs> I'd have been a much better swimmer if I'd have stayed in swimming as a teenager. Yeah, that's that's always what I yeah, my kids have thought, should I have done should they have done this sport or that sport? And um yeah. I, I think as we're older and we're wise, it's good to think about what we might have told ourselves when we were younger. So Heather, that has been well, I've always learned something from you and my main take home today is about the I've tell my son about he's not sitting for 10 minutes in the cold water bath that he's going to have in the garden um really full of really important tips i know many people and many women especially are thinking of cold water swimming and you've given them so much 
wonderful advice and really motivating information. <clears throat> so I just wanted to thank you very much for coming on my podcast. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. And good luck with the next and, and good luck with all the podcasts that you're doing. Thank you very much.